Hello, and welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. I've been doing film reviews for 20 years in written form, and you can find all of my written work there at that website, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. You can also go there to find my contact information as well as links to my Twitter feed and my Facebook page, Quipster.net. Today I'm going to be looking at a comedy that's currently out in theaters. It's called Zoolander 2. It did have the unfortunate luck of coming out on the same weekend as another comedy called Deadpool, and that film has taken the country by storm, and certainly in the wake of Deadpool, Zoolander 2 is basically an afterthought. It had to come out the following week where there's actually li- almost literally nothing of note. It probably would have fared better, but... It's just, it's going to have trouble finding an audience now, uh, especially with so many people on Twitter and on Facebook and in the media concentrating so much on the phenomenon that is Deadpool at the box office. However, you know, I've already seen Deadpool and you can get that review on my podcast already. So Zoolander 2 is the next logical step. It's a PG-13 rated film, as was the original, because of its crude and sexual content. There's a scene of exaggerated violence and brief strong language. It runs an hour and 42 minutes. The cast includes, of course, as with the first one, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. It also has supporting roles for Penelope Cruz. Will Ferrell does return. Cyrus Arnold, a newcomer, and Kristen Wiig, also new. Kyle Mooney of Saturday Night Live fame, Justin Teru, uh, Nathan Lee Graham, who's also reprising his role, Kiefer Sutherland and Sting also play themselves in some pretty extended cameos. Ben Stiller also directs, as he did the first film, and he does co-write the screenplay with Justin Teru and Nicholas Stoller and John Hamburg. With Zoolander 2, we get Derek Zoolander. He's back. Derek Zoolander being that eternally daft and narcissistic male supermodel that we have come to know and love in repeat viewings of the first film over many years. He's now retired and reclusive, and he ends up being persuaded to come back out into the public by a fashion police agent who works for Interpol named Valentina Valencia, played by Penelope Cruz. She enlists him to help find the killers of a growing list of celebrities who've struck what appears to be Zoolander's signature blue steel pose for an Instagram selfie done right before their moment of death. Derek's wife is now deceased and his child has been taken away by protective services. In the wake of that, Derek has a chance of getting Derek Jr. back by coming out of exile from the mountainous wilderness of northern New Jersey. That's one of the film's most feeble jokes. And he ends up assisting with the investigation in Rome. And he ends up with former rival turned friend Hansel, played by Owen Wilson, in tow. The clues lead all of them back to Zoolander's incarcerated megalomaniacal nemesis Mugatu, played by Will Ferrell yet again, in this plot involving the search for the Fountain of Youth. Adding to the voluminous list of comedy sequels that should never have been made comes Zoolander 2. It's even more scattershot than the original and not in the best possible way. The biggest mistake made among these sequels that come out to comedy films come because there are constant callbacks to the best moments of the original film, and that ends up recycling not only gags that you've already seen a number of times in your rewatching of the first entry over many years, but it also reminds you of how funny you remember that movie to be and how little new humor value they've added to the follow-up. So it doesn't work in its favor. 
Though much of the film is ad-libbed by some pretty heavyweight comedic talent, Kristen Wiig, Will Ferrell, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson, of course, who've done it for many years, there are four credited screenwriters who are attached, Ben Stiller and his Tropic Thunder collaborator Justin Teru. They ended up doing rewrites on the script from Nicholas Stoller, who himself had already done rewrites on an original script by John Hamburg, who was one of the people who shared a credit on the first Zoolander film. Zoolander 2 falls under a special category of comedy that I've dubbed cameo porn. There's just an incessant use of celebrity cameos that are there to titillate audiences who merely laugh whenever they see a recognizable face appear on the screen in an inane comedy the only laugh they get is, oh, there is such and such. Oh, wow, that person's in this film. And I guess that adds to some sort of excitement factor for some viewers out there, but it doesn't really contribute that much to the actual laugh factor. As the element of surprise is what most of these cameos have going for them, I'm not going to ruin the fun, though you can see an extensive listing of all of the people that provide cameos if you go to my website and look at my written review for this film. There are some new comedic actors added to the mix that should have been able to steal the show, but they don't. Uh, I'll mention two. Kiefer Sutherland and Sting, as I mentioned before, appear as comedic versions of themselves that wouldn't elicit even a mild chuckle had it been non-celebrities saying the lines that they say in this film. So the comedic value comes only because of seeing Kiefer Sutherland and Sting actually appear in a comedy and say whatever lines that are given to them. As for more traditional roles, it... It's fun to see Kristen Wiig in most films, and certainly in comedies, but her talents are limited here to her prosthetic nose and mouth and the funny accent, so not really, you know, we've seen her do a lot better. Penelope Cruz is used here more for eye candy than for comedic chops, and though she's certainly game in whatever they ask her to do, she doesn't really get to do that much in terms of eliciting laughs. Newcomer Kyle Mooney is playing here a millennial hipster character that has only one ironic joke that he delivers about a dozen different ways, all of them basically saying the same thing. And Will Ferrell's Mugatu doesn't even arrive until the film's second half, and we've already seen him do this character before. So it's not really funny unless you giggle just seeing Will Ferrell play an outlandish character of any type. Ben Stiller also directs this film, but he ditches that colorful and sunshiny glitz of the 2001 feature for a more darker and more action-oriented pace and tempo for this film. He, and he employs the use for the cinematography of J.J. Abrams' favorite director of photography, Daniel Mendel, giving it a, a thriller gloss and a sheen that doesn't really jibe with the kind of intentionally sophomore goofiness of the movie's script and characterizations. It sometimes comes off as the umpteenth spoof of spy thrillers, also mixed with elements of the plot of The Da Vinci Code, complete with globe-hopping European settings and a, a search for a long-lost mythical artifact replacing Dan Brown's Holy Grail with the Fountain of Youth. Whereas the first film had a flimsy plot to hang all of its little skits around, which left it feeling pretty buoyant and carefree in a refreshing way, this one seems to rely on that plot much more to give the story a shape, and it renders it leaden when having to actually deal with it, especially as it lacks much of interest in and of itself. And the story elements don't exactly lend for great comedy. I mean, the original never dealt with such things as the death of a spouse or the forced separation of one's child. We see celebrities riddled with bullets before our eyes. We see a child on the verge of being slaughtered before his father's eyes in a ritualistic sacrifice. And 
unintentionally triggering the 9-11 tragedy in our minds yet again because we witnessed because we witnessed the destruction of a building in Manhattan in 2001, it's not easy to savor the choice bits of comedy with that much bitterness on our palates. Now, the first Zoolander was a, a vapid cotton candy experience. It felt more like an extended sketch comedy idea, and it had enough funny moments interspersed throughout to keep it buoyant, even through some of the lulls. And it had a few inspired laughs that made it a fan favorite for those just in the mood for some stupid silliness to laugh at and maybe pick up their spirits when they need a good chuckle. This sequel seeks to continue in that tradition, but shows that 15 years later, the ideas in the film have grown as old and as lame, or I should say as lame. <laughs> if you've seen this film or the trailer, you'll understand that reference. It seems antiquated in the realm of cinematic comedies as it's as antiquated as its characters are seen in the realm of the fashion industry. Considering 2001 introduced us to a Derek Zoolander who was just on the verge of being over the hill, guess how well past his prime he seems a decade and a half later. After suffering through such films as Dumb and Dumber 2 and Anchorman 2, I think that Zoolander 2 is further proof that comedy, like fashion, goes quickly out of style. Two stars out of four is what I'm giving Zoolander 2. Two stars, on my scale, means that it is a film that is lacking something vital that keeps it from being worthwhile for you to go out of your way to see in the theaters. And that thing that is lacking really here is anything fresh and new, uh, something, a, a different take. All of the ideas in here are either recycled from the first film or the things that are introduced don't really lend well to good comedy. So it's kind of a bust. I, I think you'll probably get more laughs watching Zoolander for the umpteenth time than in seeing Zoolander 2 for the first time. Two stars goes to Zoolander 2. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. If you did, I do hope that you click the subscribe button and you'll continue to get all of my reviews downloaded to your podcast player on a mostly daily basis. Also, if you happen to enjoy the show and you want to support it, I encourage you to leave a review on whatever platform that you downloaded this podcast from. So if you're on iTunes, feel free to lend a review. It definitely does help a lot. So coming up next, we have How to Be Single. I'll also be reviewing Michael Moore's new documentary, Where to Invade Next, as well as the highly critically acclaimed Son of Saul coming up in future days. So you'll want to click the subscribe button if you haven't already. The Quipster Film Review Podcast is the name of the show. Until next time, I hope that you enjoy your time going to see Deadpool. <laughs>